Hey guys, this is me. I'm driving. I mean, I'm talking to you from my car, and I'm driving my car. Those are two things I'm doing, and I can do this. Uh, I hope, and I'm trying really hard to make the sound quality not wretched. But anyway, I wanted to check in with a, I don't know, with a special episode, a very special episode. It really is a very special episode. Because this week I celebrated something that, for me, was a big milestone and、uh, something that I've kept from you all, my listeners, yet referred to it so many times throughout the years. I've been—I、um, almost said playing with you. That sounds so weird.、Uh, I haven't been playing with you, but I have been talking with you and, you know, letting you in on lots, lots of parts of my life. But when I refer to me being much different and much healthier than I was prior to the last six years,、uh, I, I never really let you guys know what that's about. And、uh, there are a lot of reasons for it that you'll you'll find out right now. And I could go on for about oh I don't know two years <laughs> recording a message to you all about. What this means to me, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to try my best to keep it pretty brief because, well, I don't know why. I just think it's best.、Uh, but trust me, I, I could,、uh, I really could go on and on about how special this is. Long story short,、um, I this week celebrated six years in a group called Al-Anon, and for those of you who don't know.、Um, What Al-Anon is? Al-Anon is a it's a 12-step program for people who、um, are bothered by another person's drinking. So the reason I'm telling you all this because it's also an anonymous program. Yet I talked this over with my sponsor many different times, and we've all decided. We've all,、uh, with my sponsor and my group and a lot of people in the program with me, that it's okay that I divulge this because I'm not trying to convince anyone of anything. But what I am trying to do is just on the off chance that anybody listening is going through something similar to what I went through for a great deal of my life,、uh, then I wanted to share with you just so that you understood there's a program out there for you. Uh, everybody knows about Alcoholics Anonymous and Narcotics Anonymous, but I, I think very few people know that there's something for those of us who love alcoholics. And、uh, so I want to share that with you. It's Al-Anon and it's worldwide, and it operates much like AA. It's just got a little bit of a different twist to it.、Um, the thing is, is alcoholism is a disease, and it affects an entire family. It affects those of you. Close to alcoholics,、um, and it's pretty wicked, and、uh, terrifying, and lonely-making. And for me,、uh, I've been around alcoholism for, you know, really my entire life. And I've also been around the effects of alcoholism for the for my entire life. Meaning, I also have a lot of people close to me who. Could have used Al-Anon.、Um, in other words, you know, it's just generational. 
if you're in an alcoholic environment at all, it goes way back, sometimes centuries. And hello, I'm Irish Catholic, so you can kind of imagine, <laughs> you know. Um, anyway, so I will put a link in the description of this podcast to uh, the Al-Anon website. And if you're interested, certainly reach out to me. And I'd be more than happy to answer any questions. But for me, I had gone through uh, years of therapy. I got out of therapy right when I got out of my parents' house and went to college. And I always wanted therapy. I was always interested in it. I learned about it on Oprah Winfrey's show. I had never heard about it in any other context. But Oprah talked about it. And I remember telling my parents I wanted to go to therapy. And I was pretty young. I don't know, seventh grade or something. I don't know what happened, but I didn't go to therapy. So, um, but I, but I always had it in my mind. I always knew I needed it. And so long story short, before I got into Al-Anon, I had tried therapy my entire adult life. And within three weeks of Al-Anon, I had a more successful transformation than all 15 or 16 years in therapy that I had prior to that. And I had pretty good therapy. So that's kind of the difference for me. It was a perfect place for me to land. And and I really mean this when I and this isn't true for everybody, but for me my first meeting, which was up in the valley here in California in the Los Angeles area, I sat in this room completely uh, out of my mind and miserable and I had recently before that spent I think three months not leaving my house at all not even to go to the mailbox and I was just so unbelievably dead I, I wanted to be dead desperately and uh, so somehow by some miracle I found out about Al-Anon and in this room, it was in a Korean church that looked like a bunker of some kind. I sat there and and noticed it was every kind of person possible. Every, every age from 18 to 89, every race, every gender. I mean, it was amazing. And everybody who shared that night you know you you kind of do your own share um anyway everybody who shared shared something that made sense to me there was probably 45 people there that night well anyway i i can tell you with all honesty and no hyperbole it was the first time i had ever been in a room with human beings where i didn't feel like an alien and that's at age what? So I'm 41 now, six years ago. Yeah, I was 35. And never in my life did I not feel like an alien when I was around groups of people. I felt like I never related to people. I, no one made sense to me, and I knew I didn't make sense to them. And suddenly everybody did, because everybody is kind of operating under the same weird, messed up system of... Um, you know, loving alcoholics and not knowing what to do about it. So anyway, the ways I've changed are great. And what I mean by great is immense. Uh, I am a completely different person, although I would say I sort of became the person I probably was always supposed to become had I not 
experienced um, so many alcoholics. I was never abused or, you know, anything like that. I was just, I mean, I don't really want to get into it. But uh, the thing is, is that I'm, I, yeah, I became, I had, I got a fresh start. And the 12 steps, you can read about them. But um, basically, they give you a fresh start at life. If there, there was anything that bothered me, even if it was, minute or huge, anything, anyone, or any object uh, or situation, anything that bothered me, I worked it out in the 12 steps and don't have it in my psyche anymore. Uh, so it's incredible. You kind of work through resentments towards people, places, and things. I even worked out a resentment towards a couch, believe it or not. And this was some, and a, and a house, two houses, and a landlord. Uh, and I, I didn't have to confront the couch or the landlord or anything. I just had to write about it and figure out how to get over it. Uh, if you are complaining, really, Al-Anon is good for anyone who has a problem with anyone else's behavior, period. So, because alcoholism is a behavior. So you plug in problematic person into alcoholic and all of it applies. So, for, you know, for me, it was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, for others, it might not work. But I just thought, why not tell you guys the thing that saved my life six years ago? And it did. Uh, and it's made my life a billion times better. Again, no exaggeration. I was so done with this planet and every human on it. And now... I am curious and happy and so ready for anything and anything that comes my way. And as you guys know, if you've listened, a lot has come my way, a lot more than you even know, um, especially here in recent times. Yet I am completely fine. I don't look for problems anymore. I used to always look for problems, which is psycho. And by the way, my favorite story about being in Al-Anon was somebody who ended up being my sponsor's husband later. Um, in my first meeting, uh, he, well, I didn't know anybody yet. I was just in the corner crying, and I gave my first share, talking about why I was there. And, you know, the whole room shared. And then at the very end, he said um, in his share, I want to I say to the newcomer, and he looked right at me, I know you're here because somebody's drinking is bothering you, and um, but I want you to I want you to know that if you stay in this program, you're gonna find out you're crazier than the alcoholics in your life, and I was immediately realized he's probably right. I knew I was crazy. So and it was really good because the other thing that you learn if you are in any 12 step program is how to take ownership in your part of every single situation. And I know that sounds weird at first to people because some people are like, well, I didn't do anything. They're drinking or I didn't do anything. That person's an asshole or whatever. But for the most part, except for severe abuse and just abuse in general and maybe a few other things, you know, if you're an adult, you are taking part in things like you if you have you you have um, certain choices in most situations, again, not abuse. And I know there are others. But so, 
you know, now I know immediately to look to myself for the problem that I can fix. And anyway, all right, enough of this. Enough of this. I am going to hit pause on this because I'm driving, and then later I'm going to read you something from David Foster Wallace's Infinite Jest. Uh, it's going to be an excerpt, and I'll be back in a minute. Thank you guys so much for letting me uh, share this. And to anybody who's suffering from the effects of alcoholism on another person, there is Al-Anon, and it's available to you all over the place. There are meetings everywhere. And to those of you who think you may have a drinking problem or an addiction, there is AA, which is a miraculous program, and Narcotics Anonymous, which also is. If anybody um, has any questions, I'll try to get back to you um, about it. I don't know how quick I can be, but it's me reading stuff at iCloud.com. Okay, I'll be back. Thank you, thank you, thank you for letting me finally share this part of my life with you. And, hey, happy six-year anniversary to me, right? <laughs> okay, thank you. Bye. Hey, I'm still driving, and I remembered one other thing I wanted to say about it. Um, I One way to describe being uh, in Al-Anon, they say, is that you are emotionally sober. So, and that is what I am now. I know I don't always sound like it probably, but I do vent a lot on here. But I am emotionally sober now. And trust your girl, I was not <laughs> emotionally sober at all uh, prior to, to six years ago. So, trust me. And it feels so good. I'm so much more logical and calm and, you know, I get through things with an ease now so anyway i'm emotionally sober also just fyi uh there is a youtube channel that is dedicated to 80s and 90s lifetime movies i'm also going to link that in the description uh if i forget just let me know and i'll link you but oh my god i'm working on this new big triptych in my studio and if it weren't for this youtube channel i discovered i don't know what i would do Okay, abrupt transition back in the studio with Infinite Jest, the very heavy, heavy book I, <laughs> I have before me. It, those of you who don't know, David Foster Wallace uh, and Infinite Jest, I mean, I don't even know where to begin, but you should definitely investigate the book Infinite Jest. Never have I recommended it to a person who once actually reading it, which is rare to get somebody to actually do it, um, but once they do, they're always beyond grateful that they did. And anyway, Infinite Jest lays here before me, and it is a Little Brown and Company book, first published in 1996. And David Foster Wallace, as I've mentioned many times and read on the podcast many times, is, is a major hero in my life. Uh, and I've also talked about my love of him on the podcast the Great Concavity, so I'll put a link in the description here. That podcast is dedicated to all things David Foster Wallace and Infinite Jest. So I think you'll like that if you're into um, what you're about to read. But long story short, Infinite Jest is, there's no way to describe what it's about. Let's see, what does it say on the back? Uh, a gargantuan, mind-altering comedy about the pursuit of happiness in America. I never liked that description. I don't agree with that. Uh, you know what I'm going to do? I'm just going to start reading the passage I want to read you, uh, which if you have Infinite Jest, this passage starts on page 200. And this is where we enter 
uh, basically a recovery house. And for me, I read this before I was ever in Al-Anon or knew much about 12-step programs, but I remember it really resonating with me even prior to my first reading of this. And it starts like this. If by the virtue of charity or the circumstance of desperation, you ever chance to spend a little time around a substance recovery halfway facility like Enfield MA's state-funded Ennett House, you will acquire many exotic new facts. And then he starts, this is me talking to you, and then he starts listing some of these facts uh, that you might learn going through such a process or being in 12-step rooms or going to rehab or any of this. Um, These are just my personal favorites because otherwise this podcast would be hours long. And this is only a small percentage of the facts he listed in this section. It's a very long passage in the book. And so I'm sort of butchering it. But I think the passages that I'm pulling from are very, very resonant for me. They also refer to a lot that I've learned while being in Al-Anon. So I wanted to share these with you guys. And some of them just, you know, me learning a lot about alcoholism through this book and Al-Anon has been really helpful. Uh, Just knowing that alcoholism is a disease, period, is helpful to me. Because you can't get mad at people about having diabetes or ulcerative colitis, like me. Um, And therefore, you have to think about alcoholics in the same way, really. And I know if you're not thinking that that's accurate, I know I used to not believe that either. I would think, well, no, this is a choice. But, but it's actually not all the time. So sometimes it is, sometimes it's not. L- listen, nothing's black and white. That's another thing I've learned. I am just naturally, by the way, such an extreme person. It's like, I love it or I hate it. You suck or you're awesome. And uh, I'm not so much that way anymore, which, you know, I've talked a lot about a lot my getting healthier mentally has made me a bit more boring to me. I mean, I kind of like that and I'm drawn to extreme people. But that's also a part of my problem, obviously. So anyway, I'll stop talking. Here we go. Okay, so, or that, this is a weird way to start with the word or, but here you go. Or that chronic alcoholic, these are, again, it's a list of things that you may not know that you will learn in a halfway house or rehab or 12-step programs. Okay, blah, blah, blah. Chronic alcoholics' hearts are, for reasons no MD has been able to explain, swollen to nearly twice the size of civilians' humans' human hearts, and they never again return to normal size. That there's a certain type of person who carries a picture of their therapist in their wallet. That females are capable of being just as vulgar about sexual and eliminatory functions as males that over 60% of all persons arrested for drug and alcohol-related offenses report being sexually abused as children, with two-thirds of the remaining 40% reporting that they cannot remember their childhoods in sufficient detail to report one way or the other on abuse. That some people really do look like rodents. That a little-mentioned paradox of substance addiction is that once you are sufficiently enslaved by a substance to need to quit the substance in order to save your life, the enslaving substance has become so deeply important to you that you will all but lose your mind when it is taken away from you. Or that sometime after your substance of choice has just been taken away from you in order to save your life, as you hunker down for required AM and PM prayers, you will find yourself beginning to pray to be allowed to literally lose your mind to be able to wrap your mind in an old newspaper 
or something and leave it in an alley to shift for itself without you. That certain person simply will not like you no matter what you do. Then that most non-addicted adult civilians have already absorbed and accepted this fact, often rather early on. That no matter how smart you thought you were, you are actually way less smart than that. That you do not have to like a person in order to learn from him, her, it. That loneliness is not a function of solitude. That it is possible to get so angry that you really do see everything red. That logical validity is not a guarantee of truth. That evil people never believe they are evil, but rather that everyone else is evil. That it is possible to learn valuable things from a stupid person. That, is, that it is statistically easier for low IQ people to kick an addiction than it is for high IQ people. That if enough people in a silent room are drinking coffee, it is possible to make out the sound of steam coming off the coffee. That sometimes human beings have to just sit in one place and, like, hurt. That you will become way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. That there is such a thing as raw, unalloyed, agendaless kindness. That it is possible to fall asleep during an anxiety attack. That concentrating intently on anything is very hard work. That most substance addicted people are also addicted to thinking, meaning they have a compulsive and unhealthy relationship with their own thinking. That it is simply more pleasant to be happy than to be pissed off. That no single individual moment is in and of itself unendurable. That pretty much everybody masturbates, rather a lot it turns out. That the cliche, I don't know who I am, unfortunately turns out to be more than a cliche. That other people can often see things about you that you yourself cannot see, even if those people are stupid. That trying to dance sober is a whole different kettle of fish. That acceptance is usually more a matter of fatigue than anything else. I'm going to say that one one more time. That acceptance is usually more a matter of fatigue than anything else. That was very true for me. That perversely, it is often more fun to want something than to have it. Yep. That if you do something nice for somebody in secret, anonymously, without letting the person you did it for know it was you or anybody else know that it was you who did it, or in any way or form trying to get credit for it, it it's almost its own form of an intoxicating buzz. That anonymous generosity, too, can be abused. That having sex with someone you do not care for feels lonelier than not having sex in the first place afterward. That it is permissible to want. That everybody is identical in their secret, unspoken belief that way deep down they are different from everyone else. That this isn't necessarily perverse. That God, unless you're Charlton Heston or unhinged or both, speaks and acts entirely through the vehicle of human beings, if there even is a God. That God might regard this issue of whether you believe there's a God or not as fairly low on his, her, its list of things he, it's interested in regarding you. I don't know if I read that last part very well, but you know what I'm saying. And really quick, to speak to God, a lot of people who aren't really in these programs think, 
but you've got to believe in God to be an AA or Al-Anon or NA, and that's absolutely not true at all. You come up with your own version of God if you're not comfortable with the traditional God with a capital G, which is what I have done. And so uh, there's all sorts of ways. Your God can be a trash bag. Your God can be a cloud. It can be what you need it to be as long as you believe there's something more powerful than you out there. So that's just an FYI if you were worried about that. Um, I want to review one part that certain persons simply will not like you no matter what you do. Um, and that part then that most non-addicted adult civilians have already absorbed and accepted this fact often rather early on. I think those two lines together are a really wonderful crystallization of the Ann Boyer passage that I've read many times on this podcast called there are two types of people, and I will link that. Let me write this down before I forget. And Boyer, um, I will link that reading of this in case some of you haven't heard or haven't been listening for a long time, because I really do believe that you're either one of these overthinkers or you're not. And I know for a fact, my dad, who is a brilliant mind intellectually and thinks a great deal, but doesn't overthink and doesn't get crazy about things. And so I think about him a lot. I don't know. I just really admire the way my dad deals with his brain. And I wish to God I did it the same. The other thing about me is although I'm not at all an alcoholic and, and have never come close to it, I think like an alcoholic. So if you're very obsessive like I am, I'm very obsessive and extreme and can't get out of my own head. This is a way that a lot of alcoholics think. So that's why Al-Anon has really helped me as well. And, um, you know, this part that you will become way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. That started me almost crying. And then the next part that there is such a thing as raw, unalloyed, agendaless kindness. That's when I kind of cried here while reading this to you. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Those two lines together. Um, First of all, I really did used to care. Well, I didn't realize like no matter how nice I would be or how good I thought I was being to another person that they might, they, they still aren't going to like me. And that was really hard for me to accept. And now I totally accept that. And, I, and this podcast has been a whole exploration of that, of me being like, I'm just going to be me. I'm going to read what I like. If people make fun of me or don't like what I say, then that is what it is. That's me being completely vulnerable. You guys know, I mean, I'm completely vulnerable on here and open and I'm not trying to be cool. I'm just telling you what I like, whether it's live PD or checks mix or whatever the fuck it is. I just say it on here and I let go of it after I say it. And this has been, by the way, this podcast was birthed because of Al-Anon. I never would be doing this podcast without Al-Anon. Um, this was a part of, it says in our kind of the things we learn to do, it's find recreation and hobbies. Um, and all I did was work before getting to Al-Anon. Um, and I didn't have recreation or hobbies and this is sort of a recreation or, or a hobby of some sort. But anyway, so that part about, you know, being way less concerned with what other people think of you when you realize how seldom they do. I really did think people, this wasn't me being like pompous. It was me being sick. I thought people thought about me all the time. And I mean this in a, not in a cool way. I thought, you know, oh shit, I said the wrong thing. They're probably at home talking to their spouse about it, telling their friends about it. I mean, I was obsessed with what, if other people were thinking negative thoughts about me. 
And it was the way I functioned for my entire life. And so therefore I was never allowing myself to just mess up, to just say something and mess up and apologize and move on. And it was crazy making. Um, and then that part about that there is such a thing as raw, unalloyed, agendaless kindness. That's what I found in Al-Anon. And, you know, again, you get a new chance at life. You get an extra family. I already have a pretty great family, um, a great family, great parents, a, an amazing brother, lots of great things going on in my family. But um, you get an extra set of family. I mean, it's amazing. And so, you know, my Al-Anon family is just as important to me as anybody else in my life. And they would do anything for me and I would do anything for them. We go to hospitals with each other. I've had people bring me soup when I was sick. They travel to my shows. I travel for their kids, you know, functions with their kids. What, you know what I mean? It's a whole extra part of my life that I never could have expected. Really quick, another thing that I don't do anymore, which is shocking to me because basically I had one function from birth on and I don't know where I got this because certainly my parents didn't teach me to do this, but I hated myself and I abused myself mentally speaking and talked horribly to myself. Uh, I hate, I thought I was disgusting and hideous and um, dumb and you know, worthless, sadly. And I think, you know, whether or not you've ever listened to this podcast or not once or twice, I think you know that I don't feel that way anymore. It's hard for me to admit that because I used to think that was just being humble, but it's not, it's being self-abusive. And so because of Al-Anon, I learned to actually learn to love myself a bit here. And that's really made my life better. And lastly, I'll say that if it weren't for Al-Anon, I would definitely not be alive anymore. And so it's saved my life. I already said that, so I'll say it one more time. Again, thank you so much for listening. I'm not going to tag on, hey, buy a sweatshirt. I'm not going to tag on, hey, review me on iTunes. I'm just going to tag on that I think you guys are awesome. I thank my listeners from the bottom of my heart for giving me this because I have the best time making this podcast for you guys and sharing the things I love with you um, without losing my mind and starting to cry really hard. I'm going to sign out of here and say happy Thursday night. I love you guys very much and I wish you a beautiful week and a good weekend and that's it. Okay. Good night, everybody. Have a good one. Bye-bye.